Welcome home. Glad to have you. Glad to have those who are joining us live streaming today. Glad to be back after vacation. Two weeks of vacation out west. Uh, Scott Blount, in my absence, associate minister, preached two outstanding messages. I uh, watched the first one on our website. The second one I was here for last Sunday. Nobody in America got a better Father's Day message than that was. And we're really blessed to have Scott. And don't tell him I said that. He'll get the big head. But... Uh, I wish I, I wish I had more time to go on, but I appreciate him, what he did in those messages. If we, if we men would put those, what he talked about into practice, we'd have instant revival here in the church. If you're new to us, we're in a sermon series entitled Man Church. In fact, this, is, this will wrap it up. But why have this emphasis on man church? Is it because uh, we're patriarchal misogynists? No. We love women. We want more women in the church. We want more children in the church. Actually, it's just the opposite. While Jesus called his disciples to be fishers of men, the fact of the matter is in the modern church, across the board, there are more women than men in the church. The average church demographic in America is 60% women, 40% men. That, by the way, is true of our congregation. Give or take a percentage point, 60% women, 40% men. Churches overseas, report imbalances as much as 10 to 1, uh, 10 women for every man in the church. So why would that be the case? Are men turning away from faith in Christ? Not at all. Uh, the surveys show that five out of six men in America proclaim to be Christians. They have faith in Christ. But only two out of six men have attended church in the past week. And some experts believe it's one out of six. Well, is it just that uh, men are simply less religious by nature than men are? Now, that's not it either. When you look at other world, the other world religions, uh, Hinduism, for instance, Buddhism, you have basically an even uh, disposition of men and women. In Islam, men are unashamedly, unabashedly religious, and in many cases more so than the women are. So what is it? Well, David Moreau, in his book, Why Men Hate Going to Church, believes it is a reflection of the feminization of our culture. Now, you're probably aware, in our society, in our culture, has been going, undergoing a feminization process over the last few decades, and what happens in our culture tends to be reflected in the culture of the church. Not long ago, uh, in Alaska, outside a sports venue, 95 men were surveyed. Now, obviously, this is an unscientific poll, but 95 men were surveyed about 10 different venues and whether they perceived those venues to be masculine or feminine in their connotation. Now, I'm going to go over that survey, but I want to start. We'll have a little congregational participation here. I will call out to you the venue, and you tell me whether you think the 95 men identified that as a masculine venue or a feminine venue. Okay, start off. Football stadium, what do you think they said, masculine or feminine? All right, absolutely, masculine. It was, here's the breakdown, 83 of the men said masculine, one said feminine, 11 were undecided. How about baby shower, what do you think? Yeah, feminine. This was the only shutout. 95 said feminine, zero undecided, zero masculine. Okay, how about a flower shop? Feminine, feminine. How about a uh, gun show? Masculine, 85 said that's a masculine venue. How about a grade school? 
Feminine? How about a bar? Masculine. 59 said masculine to feminine, 34 undecided. You talk about toxic masculinity, that's it right there. It's the bar. Okay, fishing boat. Masculine. 76 said masculine. Shopping mall. Feminine. And then the tent venue, uh, they were asked about a church service. What do you think they said, masculine or feminine? Feminine. 11 said it was masculine. 30 said it was feminine. 54 were undecided. So the church falls somewhere above a baby shower and below a bar in its masculine connotation. <clears throat> now, again, that's an unscientific poll, but all we're saying is there are more women than men in the church, and we want to do a better job of attracting men to the church and creating and building a culture in our church, in our congregation, that is attractive to men. And we want all of us to be a part of that discussion. So this morning, we're looking at four or five ways to man up the church. So these are things that we do or we are trying to do to build a culture that way. Because why is that important? Why is this even important? Why not just be satisfied with that? You know, surveys consistently show, and Scott mentioned this in his first sermon while I was gone, that when a woman turns to the Lord, 13% of the time, the rest of the family will come along. The rest of the, the husband and the children will follow suit 13% of the time. But when a man turns to the Lord, the rest of the family follows suit 87% of the time. The religion that wins men wins. So how do we man up the church? So here's four or five things this morning. Number one, man up the church through excellence, a commitment to excellence. Colossians 3.23, Paul writes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, some of these are going to be probably all of them, generalizations, but this is generally true, and, and a lot of them cut across the board, but men are attracted to things that are led well, excellence, quality, and that's not always what we associate with a church service. I remember years ago when I, I used to watch American Idol on TV. What's so funny about that, Teresa? And back in the day, this was when Simon Cowell was still one of the judges, and someone occasionally, I remember this on more than one occasion, a performer would, would sing, and then in the critique, he would say, hey, I can see that in a church service on any given Sunday in America. And what he was doing was equating that performance with mediocrity, and church was his measure of mediocrity. That always stung me, but it's, it's simply a fact. We don't always equate excellence and quality with church. I want to read you three quotes this morning. Lee Strobel, I've been at churches where paint was peeling from the walls, sound systems were plagued by distortion, lighting was so dim I could barely see the face of the speaker, musicians were unrehearsed, and the message sounded as if it were ad-libbed. Why is this important? Because one of the main ways, you know, that we want to, why is quality important? One of the main ways that people are exposed to the gospel, the kingdom of God, initially is through inviting them to church. This is where they're going to get their first impression. John Lewis has defined the cringe factor as what happens when a Christian finally gets up enough nerve to invite his unbelieving friend to church and the Christian quietly cringes through the service because of off-key singing, out-of-tune piano, bad acoustics, malfunctioning microphones, and a disjointed sermon. Bob Russell is the retired preaching minister of the 18,000-member Southeast Christian Church in Kentucky. 
He asked, quote, why have our people been so bold in inviting their friends and so effective getting them to come? Because they're excited about what they've experienced and are confident that every week the grounds, the nursery, the greeting, the singing, and the preaching will be done with excellence. With excellence. That's why we have work days, you know, like we had yesterday when we clear out the property and spruce up the building and clean the glass and clear out some of the clutter. We want things to look and reflect the excellence that we, with which we serve our Lord. That's important to us, and it's attractive to people. That's why our teachers study their lessons in preparation. That's why the praise team up here sounds so good, because every Thursday they're putting one or two hours in, in rehearsal, and they get here an hour before services start on Sunday to rehearse through it again. They're here four hours on Sunday. Somebody said to me yesterday at the workday, they said, I think our praise band sounds better than the guys on the radio do sometimes. They're, they want to have a quality, excellent presentation. That's why Scott, I, I guarantee you, when he got up here the last two Sundays, the first time he preached that message was not at the 8.30 service. He had studied, researched, and prepared and rehearsed it five or six times before he ever presented it to the congregation because he wanted it to be done with excellence. <clears throat> so that's why we have a commitment to excellence and a value in our church of quality and excellence for the Lord. Talking about how to man up the church. Secondly, man up the church by giving men space. Men need space. Now, let me read Romans 16, 16 in three different versions. Greet one another with a holy kiss, holy embraces all around. Greet each other with a hearty handshake. Now, I have those three different versions of the one verse up there just to, to reflect how, how, how we apply biblical principle is influenced by our culture. So, in the first, what it actually says is greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, in that first century culture, that was common. and nothing out of the ordinary for men to greet each other with a kiss. In our culture, it's a little bit different. I mean, if a man showed up today and he's a guest of the church and he's greeted by another man with a holy kiss, holy cow! <laughs> no, so, so we can still apply the principle of having brotherly love and making people feel welcome in the church, but we want to be culturally sensitive to how we do that. And uh, men need a little bit of space. So one of the things we did a few years ago, we, we did away with this, the forced greeting time. Have you ever been to a church and they said, all right, now at this point in the service, we want everybody to stand up, turn around, shake the person's hand next to you, give them a hug, give them a kiss, what, say Jesus loves you, or something like that. You know, a lot of men hate that. Now, it's a generalization. Introverts, there are introverts who won't go to church because of that facet. They feel manipulated. When we were on vacation, uh, we had spent some time in Cody, Wyoming. Cody, Wyoming, in the summertime, has a rodeo every night in their st stadium throughout the summer. So we got to go to the rodeo. It was a great experience, but at one point, the MC at this rodeo got on the microphone. <laughs> all right, everybody, in the, let's all stand up. He said, turn around and greet somebody that you don't know in the rodeo. And I thought, what am I, a church? And I turned around, the people behind me, there were three sullen teenagers sitting behind me at the rodeo. I, I don't think they wanted to be there. I think their parents probably made them come, just like church. And uh, so I stuck out my hand, and there it's 
this awkwardly was, none of them wanted to shake my hand until their mother said, I'll shake the man's hand. It just didn't feel authentic or genuine. And that's the way a lot of people feel. They're awkward about being manipulated into that kind of thing. If you read the Babylon Bee, not everybody does, but it's Christian satire. They sell these little bracelets. I'm wearing one today. It says, do not greet. Do not greet. This is for the introverts. So if they're in a church that has that greeting time, they just hold this up and say, do not greet. We simply want to be sensitive to that. Same thing with forcing people to hold hands. You know, we don't do that. If you've ever been in a service, you had to hold hands. Now, men, a man holding another person's man's hand, here's the thing. When a man holds his wife's hand, typically he takes the overgrip, she takes the undergrip. When a man is, has to hold another man's hand, there comes an awkward moment when they look at each other and say, who's going to be the woman and who's going to be the man? And I always get the guy with the cold, clammy hands. I think, yeah, give me the Purell, please, quick, emergency. So all we're saying here, man up. So we're talking about how to man up the church, how to be sensitive. It's why we do some of the things we do and don't do other things in our church. We want to have a culture that is receptive and attractive to men. We give people space. Number three, man up the church by speaking men's language. Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, follow me. Um, <clears throat> the word religion sometimes has a negative connotation, religion. Sometimes people think, because of their religious background, they may think of religion as formal, cold, dead tradition. So when people turn to the Lord and they become Christians, maybe they want a terminology or a vocabulary that communicates, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing a formal dead religion. My, my faith is live and it's vibrant. So the phrase or the terminology that evangelical Christianity has come up with is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That particular phrase is not in the Bible. We don't have God calling us, Jesus calling people to come and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, follow me. Now, it's not to say the concept is not in the Scripture. You can have a concept there without the exact wording be there. And, and we want to have a relationship with God. That's part of our Christian experience for sure. But even that phrase is evolving from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ to an intimate relationship. Uh, Stephen Smith, in his book, The Transformation of a Man's Heart, writes, through Jesus, God reveals that he loves us passionately and he longs for an intimate relationship with us. Here's part of my reservation about this. Men don't typically talk to each other in those kind of terms, even with other men that they love. They don't use this, this quasi-romantic language of passion and intimacy. Can you imagine two bikers having this conversation? Rocco says, hey, Spike, let's go for a ride in the desert so we can develop a passionate relationship. And Spike responds, sure, Rocco, I'd like to enjoy some intimacy with you. That doesn't happen. You know, we don't talk to each other that way. And it's interesting to me, that's the predominant phraseology in the evangelical church now. But that's not, that's not biblical language. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus likened the, the kingdom of God to an army. We're soldiers of Christ. In Matthew eleven twelve, 12, Jesus said, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. I see a trend 
and, and our use of language towards this feminization that's not necessarily attracting the men who want to be called to a great mission against great odds that we accomplish with God's help. And he's called us to be agents in this mission. You know, the overall big story, we can't lose that uh, through the language that we employ. Okay, so we're talking about manning up the church with excellence, give men space, uh, speaking men's language. And fourthly, man up the church by raising the man profile. Raise the man profile. Paul writes of Epaphroditus in Philippians 2.29, hold men like him in high regard. Now, Mark Randall is a basketball player. He was drafted by the Chicago Bulls in 1991. Big guy, star college athlete, and that was a championship season. The Bulls won the championship in 1991. Mark Randall, however, played a total for the entire season of 76 minutes. He basically rode the bench. He was a scrub. Why? Because the position that he played was being played by another very talented guy. Who was that? Yeah, it was Michael Jordan. So he's going to ride the bench because there's a star player. It's just a little bit better than he was. Well, likewise, in the church, a lot of times men find themselves riding the bench like a scrub. Even though the scrubs, they work just as hard and they practice and they try out because there's someone just a little bit better at churchy things than they are. And in general, that's women. Women are wired up for the thing, naturally wired up for the things that modern churches value. They're typically more verbal. They're more relational. They form social circles more readily and easily than men do. They're typically more studious. I know there's exceptions to this, but most men haven't read a book in a year. Women read, and they they read more of the Bible, and surveys show they're better at all of these things than men. And so what all that means is we have to be kind of intentional getting men off the bench into the game, giving them opportunities to shine. And high profile. <clears throat> Dave Moreau writes, I did a little experiment last summer. I visited the five fastest growing churches in our city. Every one of them showcased men in prominent roles. Men were conspicuous in every aspect of the worship service. Leading, worship, ushering, giving testimonies, and teaching. All, all five churches had male preachers. One even had men in charge of the children's ministry. Women were not invisible in these churches. But men were given high-profile spots in the worship service. Why? Because when a man sees enthusiastic men in leadership, he is likely to believe there is a place for him in the church. Women also appreciate animated male leaders because they're such a rarity in modern society. Did you know that 70% of the children who are raised in the church. Little children who grow up in the church, 70% of them will abandon their faith in their late teens and early 20s. So you look at at our children, seven out of 10 of them are going to abandon the... the, Why is that? Is there anything that we can do about that to lower that percentage? Yes, there is. It's called men. It's called men. One of the most powerful and impactful and influential things that men can do is have high visibility in the children's ministry so that children see that Christianity is not just for women and children. Even if a a man is in the classroom, even if he doesn't teach the lesson, he doesn't say a word. Just his very presence has an outsized impact on those children's mind. Now, when I, I grew up in the church, I've been going to church since I was five years old. 
and my dad was not involved. He stayed home. My mom took us to church. But I tell you, I can still remember the names, the faces, the names, the men who taught me in Sunday school. I mean, the church that I went to was a, a man church. Men were totally, thoroughly involved. Women, too. Please don't take anything I'm saying to be demeaning to women or to de-emphasize their importance. In the average American church, if it weren't for the women, the church would collapse. But, all, but I'm saying here, I'm just making emphasis. I can remember their names. Alan Tyson, who's a guest today from Juffle, and he'll be speaking a little bit later on about uh, Johnson University, Florida. We grew up, went to the same church. And we were reminiscing in between services, and we're just ticking off the names of the men teachers that we had in Sunday school. I remember Bob Carroll, remember Paul Whitehead, uh, Whitehead, remember John Einan. We could just go on and on and on about these men because they had a huge impact on our lives. And that church sent so many young men to Bible college and to the ministry and women too. Man, one of the best things you can do is get yourself involved in a high-profile position in children's ministries, and there are a lot of opportunities uh, to do that. Well, so we're, we're just talking about this morning, manning up the church. One more thing, what can women do for a successful man church? That is to encourage and to celebrate the men of man church. And back during the time of the Judges, you read the book of Judges in the Old Testament, it was a dark period in the history of Israel. Often they were under the oppression of the Canaanites. Such was the case in Judges chapter 4. God raised up a female prophet to go to a man named Barak and challenge him to raise up an army and throw off Canaanite oppression. In Judges 4.14, Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? And at Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots in the army by the sword. Judges 5.1, then they sang this song together. On that day, Deborah and Barak sang this song. Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. I like this as an example of women encouraging and then celebrating a man. And this was not her husband. It was just a man who stepped up and became a leader for God's people. Ladies, encouragement from a woman is like spiritual miracle grow to a man. Men respond to him. They don't respond to criticism. Nobody does, really. Remember how it was when your kids were learning how to walk, the little kids? And the, the first time they stood up, and they stood on their wobbly legs and held on to the chair right there. And you said, yay, way to go, way to go. And then they, they would hold on and kind of do that circumference. They'd hold on to the ottoman and walk around it like that on their wobbly legs. Oh, that's wonderful. The first time they let go of that ottoman and they took one step over and kind of fell over onto a chair. Oh, you're doing so fantastic. That's wonderful. Keep going. And they just eat it up. Even if they fall down, that was a great fall. Do that again. Now, we don't say, hey, that was lousy. Pull yourself up by the diapers and quit being such a slacker. It's all praise. It's all encouragement. We all respond that way. And women may think, well, I shouldn't have to do that. Men should want to serve God on their own. They don't need me to praise them. Oh, we do. We do. We absolutely need that. And uh, who knows? Who knows? You may wind up with a great spiritual leader uh, in your home or in your sphere of influence and in our church. God has called us to serve him, men and women. But we want to make sure that we're not only calling men back to the church, we are calling the church back to men. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. He's the man. He's the man of man church. And we, we ask your blessing upon all of our families, all of our women and children 
this morning who are so vital to our church and our ministries, but especially the emphasis today, calling out to men to come and prioritize the kingdom of God in their lives and in, in their families, all of us, Lord, that we might experience the true revival that you want us to have in this church and across America. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.